So I think moving forward, I think it's really going to be focusing a lot on getting everything that we have set up perfectly. So like I'm implementing the profit first accounting system. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I'm starting to implement that. And I think just buying midterm rentals, short-term rentals, stuff like that, probably not just here in the Midwest in the future. It's probably here pretty soon in the next year or so. Start really looking into some more touristy markets. But yeah, I mean, I that's that's pretty much that, man. It's uh Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a special guest coming from the Indiana, the northern parts of Indiana, ex-military in the Navy, went from $400 in his pocket to owning several million dollars worth of real estate, has a net worth of $1.4 million currently, constantly growing. But what's really cool is really laser beaming into his niche, has several... I believe three mobile home parks, but but just got rid of about a dozen, you know, single family homes and so forth. So really starting to laser beam into focus. And obviously the compound effect from that is always tremendous. So really excited to have Bobby on today. What's up, Bobby? How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm blessed, man. I'm super excited to have you on here. So tell me, you know, for anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, where you're from, what you're up to, do you mind just giving that 30,000 foot view? Yeah, sure. My name's Bobby Klein. I've lived in Northern Indiana most of my life. I just started investing in real estate about three and a half years ago. Before that, I was in sales. I worked at restaurants. I worked at like call centers. I did everything and I got fired from all of it. I was terrible. I was like yeah. my worst employee ever. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now nobody can fire me. So it's good. It's good. Have you done any other entrepreneur stuff before real estate? Dude, I've never like done any like where you have an LLC type entrepreneur stuff, but I've flipped cars. I flipped couches. I used to sell, I used to buy donuts in 12 packs when we were in like a school in the military. Like, so I buy like 12 donuts and I come in and sell them at two bucks a piece to everybody. I just always like had that like hustler spirit, I guess. Yeah. This is my first time I've had like an actual official company, you know, with like tax and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so why real estate for you? What inspired you? What kind of took you down that path? Honestly, dude. So I grew up like dirt poor, right? Like my family, we were well below the poverty line. And I knew one wealthy person in my entire like scope of the world, right? Like there was one wealthy guy and he owned a bunch of houses. <laughs> and like, I was like, man, it seems a whole lot better to have money than to not have money. Yeah. So <laughs> when you're, it's funny because like when you're broke and poor, it's like the only problems that you really focus on, like you could be happy and enjoying life and just like, but the times that it sucks, it's like when the, the lights going out or cable or like not coming up with rent, it's always money related normally. Right. Oh yeah, man. When you're poor, the only problem in the world is money. Like money. That, Yeah. yeah. I mean, you learn that's not true once you have a little bit of scratch, your money. but yeah. <laughs> uh, but at, at that time, you know, I was like, man, 
like he owns a bunch of properties. I guess that's what I need to do. It's yeah, good so, though. Like once, once you get the money, you realize that it's not, there's other problems still, but you still definitely want to be on that side. Like out of all oh, sides, broken sure. poor, I'd rather be, you know, in a oh. nice car crying than, than yeah. a broken one that I got to hit with a hammer to like get the starter to go. Yeah. The real thing that sucks about poverty is it's all encompassing, right? Like sure. there's no facet of your life that isn't affected by your finances, right? Whether, you know, it's your health, it's your relationships, you know, whatever is important to you, you know, a hobby that you love, everything in the world is affected by your finances. And you don't need to be a multimillionaire to like enjoy those things. But if you're broke, broke, you cannot enjoy those things. Yeah. And also you really can't help out anybody either. You know, it's like, I love talking about money because it's not that money works, you know, makes the world go around, but it does have everything to do with the everyday living. Right. And you can definitely, you know, you can make a bigger impact in people's lives by helping somebody out when they really need it. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. You you can't give from an empty cup. So, right. But yeah, so I saw that guy and I knew I wanted to be in real estate. And then I spent most of my early 20s partying and then joined the military when I wanted to like straighten up my act and really never did anything with real estate, honestly. And then when I got out of the military, I was working at a factory, like a dead end job. And then I was also like waiting tables at night. Yeah. And I was broke. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. like I was working so hard and I was never getting going forward. So like, and I mean, I was, I was broke. I was living in my buddy's basement, paying him rent. It was a nice basement, but yeah. it's not exciting to bring a girl back to your buddy's basement and be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, welcome to my humble abode. Right. Like, yeah. 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 So I started, uh, I got an audible account and I was like, I'm just going to find a book about real estate. I have no idea how to get in it. I landed on a great book, which is uh, Brandon Turner's How to Invest in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down. Yeah. So that was like the first real estate book I ever read. And then like, that's that's when, that's when it like kind of clicked. And I was like, oh man, like, this is like, there's a system, this is a game and you can play it, dude. Like, oh yeah. So yeah. So like that realization, you know, it was still probably three years before I bought my first property, but yeah, that's when like the education curve started and yeah. Then a couple of years later, I was in real estate and have been ever since. So did you get, besides the books, did you get any other education, any guidance, mentorship? Did you ever find that one guy that was doing it and like try to pick his brain, take him out to lunch or something? Yeah. It was the dude who I saw when I was like 12. <laughs> yeah. I hit him up. I hadn't really talked to him a whole lot in years, but I just hit him up and I was like, Hey, you know, I want to do what you're doing. And I started bird dogging for him. Like I said, I'd always been a hustler. So like when he was like, if you find me a house and I buy it, like I'll pay you 500 bucks, which now that I know about like wholesaling and how that works and what those fees are, 500 bucks was not very much money, but it doesn't matter because I started looking at properties. I started learning like, what should I look for in a property? I was learning how to talk to potential sellers, you know? So like, I got this huge education. I think I so I think I only like actually got like one deal for him, you know, but it was every day I was looking for him. And yeah. so just like that, you know, that, the experience uh, yeah, and the, the mentorship the repetition of it and all that, yeah. you know, getting my reps in was something that was awesome. But yeah, no, I talked to him and he would give me an education and he's very much a, um, like an old school guy who, you know, he's, you know, he's in his fifties now. 
and he's very wealthy, but he still goes out to the job sites and swings a hammer. That's who he is. That's that's how he likes to run his business. That's what works for him. He certainly doesn't have to at this point, but he likes to do it. That's what he knows. Yeah, that's what he knows. That's what he feels comfortable with. He he loves doing it. So, you know, for him, for him, that is freedom is going out there and doing maintenance. He loves it. So he taught me very much by that standard of like, Hey, you know, you're going to, you're going to get in there. You're going to fix it yourself. You know, and we can go through all the problems that there are with that. But if you're broke and starting out, like having someone who can be like, Hey, here's how you repair a water heater. Yeah. It's very valuable. If you have no money to pay a plumber to come do it for you. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's good to learn those things anyway, just so you can, even when you get money to do it, because there's certain things that like, you know, I, I grew up without a father or like a, just a male figure, didn't know certain things. Like I'm not a mechanic, like good with engines. I'm not, not good with uh, changing certain things, but therefore, like I really need to rely on a good contractor. Now, even though I have money to do it, it's still one of those things that they could blow smoke up my ass and I wouldn't really necessarily know in the beginning. Um, yeah. So it's good to get the, at least the education on how to and when you do have money to hire on somebody, you can make sure that they are doing it the right way to verify. Yeah. Well, and it's all about valuing your time too, right? Like, so like when I first started out, like I said, I had $400. Yeah. My time was not that valuable. <laughs> yeah. I would train all the time. <laughs> yeah. My time okay. was not crazy valuable, you know, now, now that I'm a little further along, it's a little different. But yeah, at the time, there was no reason I shouldn't be the one over there that was painting the unit or doing whatever. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. So when was that first deal? How did you get it? And what did it look like? Yeah. So that first deal would have been in uh, 2019. Let's go. And so I was broke. I had 400 bucks, but I found on Craigslist, this property that was for sale and it wasn't in the best area. Um, And remember my market's already cheap to begin with, but this was crazy cheap, even for this area. It was $10,000 for this property and it needed like, my first one was 9,000. So I I hear you, man. I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) And it it needed like painted and some flooring and stuff. And I didn't have the money or know how to do any of that at the time, but I was like, I'll figure it out. So I called my bank and I wanted to take out a personal loan. And they had to have a reason on the form that they sent me for why you were taking out a personal loan. And I was actually a renter at the time still. And I just put in there, I was like, I'm remodeling my kitchen. Because <laughs> like, yeah. I, I had to give them a reason I needed 10 grand and I didn't want to tell them it was for a house because then they'd want to do a mortgage. So I put it in there and I don't know how, because I did not have great credit. I got that. $10,000 loan. I literally have no idea why they approved me for that, but they did. So I went to buy the property and then the title company comes back and they're like, Hey, this property has $40,000 worth of child support liens on it. Oh, and yeah. So like, and I, like, first of all, I had to ask like, what's a lien? Cause I didn't know anything yeah. about that. Then they explained to me it's bad. So uh, <laughs> then, so I'm sitting on this 10 grand And I was looking at the paperwork to pay it back. Well, there was $500 worth of fees associated with it. So regardless of whether I use the money or not, or I just paid it back. So um, to me, $500 was so much money. So, you know, I called the guy who was my mentor at this point, the same guy that I 
you know, met when I was younger and he was like, just pay it back and then make payments on your 500 bucks. And like, and I was like, thanks, but no thanks. Like, that's terrible. Like we have this money, we're going to go get something. Mm -hmm. And so I just went back to Craigslist, Facebook, and that's, those were the only ways I knew how to find houses back then. Yeah. And a couple of weeks later, same guy gives me a call and he's like, Hey, I don't know if you want this, but he's like, there's a mobile home park in this town that was about an hour away from me. Um, my buddy is willing to sell it on land contract. Mm -hmm. He would take $10,000 down and he would finance the other $285,000. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like there's an opportunity there, but also it's a mobile home park. Like, I don't know that I necessarily ever saw myself going into mobile home parks. And so I drove out and I saw it. And I mean, this place was this, this is a trailer park. I mean, this thing's rough, dude. Like, nice. and it's like half of it's vacant. Like there's broken glass, like literally like just windows have been broken out and the glass just like laying on the ground and like grass has grown over it. Like it's been there for a while and just nobody gives a sh nobody cares. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And I mean, it was real rough, but I was looking at it. And I was like, I don't know. Like there's 16 units here. Like, it's going to take me years to get to 16 units. Like, so after talking to my mentor and to the guy selling it and the guy selling it was very competent, very knowledgeable. He had actually sold it off on a contract to another investor who had just run it into the ground. Uh, so he made a bad deal, but this guy actually knew his stuff and was, you know, helping to like helping me see the, the vision, right. Of where we could go with it. And so I was talking to him and I was just honest. I was like, man, I was like, I'm not a maintenance guy. I don't really have money to hire out all this stuff. And he was like, I tell you what, I'll give you three months with no payments and you just get in there and you fix it up. If at the end of three months, you don't want it, no harm, no foul. I'll let you walk away from the contract. And wow. he made it real clear. I wasn't going to get any money back or anything. He was like, but if you want it, if you want to walk away. And I was like, well, okay. So Overnight, I went from zero units to 16 trailers and I was working, you know, I was working five days a week. So I was off on Tuesdays and Sundays. And so every Tuesday and Sunday for the next three months, dude, I was out there learning maintenance, just trying to fix stuff up. What were you, what were you doing for work? I was a car salesman. Car salesman. And then uh, what were the numbers again for that deal? Oh, uh, so it was a $295,000 purchase price with my $10,000 down. 10K uh, so, down. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And so it was non-refundable, the 10K, but for the next three months, no payments needed and kind of give you a little trial and error to see if you even wanted to. Yeah, exactly. And then what, what were the monthly payments? Gosh, we've refinanced it since then. So it was around 1800 bucks a month, somewhere in that ballpark. That's great. And then uh, what were the actual tenants paying at the time or like collecting? Well, first of all, most of them weren't paying. Yeah, exactly. Most of them weren't paying and it was about half full. I think the, the rents ranged from, they were doing weekly and it was from a hundred dollars a week to like 140 a week. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that average is out between like, I guess like $430 would be the average on a hundred bucks. So yeah, I mean, not much, not much. So yeah. And what, what was it like, like the, 
taking over that property and managing it for the first time and doing the maintenance, but like dealing with the tenants that were there, trying to talk them into like starting to repay again. Like what, what was the feelings in the process? What did that look like? Well, it was intimidating for sure. Your first one. one. Yeah, Yeah, first one, dude. First one. The good thing is I was already selling cars. So if you're in sales, you get used to uncomfortable conversations. So I was already kind of, kind of okay with uncomfortable conversations, but I mean, it was definitely, it was a, it was definitely a mind shift because, you know, the other thing was, you know, I was 29 years old and now I'm going to people who are in their fifties and stuff. And I'm, telling them what to do and I'm telling them (laughs) you owe me money and like you can't keep your house looking or your trailer looking like this you know I'm going through and I've got to be the bad guy with all these people and I couldn't even grow a beard until like a year ago dude like (laughs) I was I was baby faced like I hear you looking like me yeah baby yeah Yeah, so it was really intimidating man but uh (laughs) you know I was just like it was one of those things where it was like, it has to be done. So I guess I'm going to do it. And, you know, it went about how you would expect it to go. Yeah, you know, pretty we, bad, huh? I'm just kidding. Yeah, we, <laughs> just kidding. We, we lost some tenants right out the gate. I mean. Which we, is good, though. You know, and it, it's, it's a scary feeling, but you want to get the bad out right away. You know, if they're not going to pay and it's not a good fit, then get out, you know, start, start making room for the new. Thousand percent, dude. Thousand percent. And that's how I view it now. But yeah. certainly at the time, that's not how I was no. You're like, oh, <laughs> no, all the money. Is like, but they're not paying anyway, most likely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And you and I both know sitting here with more experience under our belts, that was the best thing that could have happened instead of but, like, being evicted yeah. or whatever. At first, but, though, it is nerve-wracking, scary oh, as hell. You're like, a vacancy? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you're just uh, thinking about that monthly payment, 1800 coming up, and you're like, God, this sucks. Yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, that was, that was right in the back of my mind constantly. Well, what was the monthly payments for the 10 K? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I want to say like three fifty. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly, but I mean, it was a, it was a personal loan to, it was an unsecured loan from a bank to somebody with bad credit. So it was like 16% interest or something crazy high, you know, I mean, it was a terrible deal, but I mean, it was also a great deal because I wouldn't be where I'm at right now without it. So, yeah, I mean, like who else is going to give you the money? Right. So it's like using the banks and figuring it out. I used credit cards in the beginning, you know, to purchase uh, properties. And it's like I'm blessed for it. But uh, but yeah, Yeah. you never you never know. So that's awesome. You made it happen. That's what that's the moral of it. It's like you when the will is away, you made it happen. I love how you listen, like you heard your mentor, you asked him right away, you called and seeked guidance. But when he told you something that you just didn't necessarily agree with, it's okay to leave some of your mentors like stuff on the sideline and focus on what your gut's telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that I have a good like system for that or anything, but it's definitely been one of the things where throughout my investing career, there's been times where I'm like, I respect the hell out of this person, of but you're wrong. And I'm going to go show you that you are yeah, like, yeah. You know, in the most respectful way possible. I mean that in the most respectful way possible, but I'm going to go do what I'm going to go do. I love yeah. that. Determined. Cool. So how long did it take to actually like turn this sucker around and, and start making it into a better place? Did it take yeah. three months or did it take way longer? Oh, it took way longer than three months. But what we were able to do in the three months was get it to a break-even point. Nice. So 
Yeah, so it was able to pay the bills. So it was probably technically, when you look at it at full scale, it was still probably losing money when you factor in like CapEx and stuff like that. But it was able to bring in enough money to pay the bills. And I kept working on it just two days a week, man. Two days a week, I'd be out there working on the property and learning how to do everything because I wasn't I wasn't from a uh, very, like, I wasn't a construction worker or anything. No, like that, yeah. you know? So like, I didn't you're know. YouTubing this stuff as, as yeah, you're, you know. <laughs> I'm YouTubing, calling people, doing stuff wrong, and then finding out that it doesn't work, you know, wasting money that I didn't really have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, about three months after that, we were like, we were, we were cooking, dude. I got a couple units done. I had hired on some people to help me, which is its own story that went terribly wrong. But like, whatever there was other people there were other hands in the pot at that point which allowed me to start getting some stuff done while i wasn't there which was a game changer um but yeah three months after our like our three month grace period if you will so like six months after purchasing the property uh i was making some money dude i was making like a thousand bucks a week off of it again not not counting for capex or anything because i didn't I didn't even consider those numbers back then. Yeah. Um, like if it's coming in the bank account, I'm cool with it. Let's yeah, go. No, I see it. It's right there. Yeah, it's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I was like, man, this is cool. Cause I was making like 40 grand a year. So now I'm making like 52 grand a year off my first investment, or at least that's okay. how I perceived it. That's yeah. probably not accurate. But yeah, whoops. I was off to the races after that though, man. It was uh it was donezo as far as I was concerned. Real estate was the way to go. Oh yeah. I love it. So when, when did you actually like leave your job and kind of go all in? So my second property was also a mobile home park. So it was right around that time where I started making that extra thousand dollars a week. Yeah. And the guy who had sold it to me was apparently bragging on me in a conversation about, Hey, you know, I sold it off to this kid and he's been fixing up units and he's paying me money. And like, you know, and so he was talking to his friend who also owned a mobile home park who was like, okay, well, I'd be willing to sell mine. And his was bigger and nicer. Nice. And he had already halfway negotiated this deal for me too. He was like, well, he's not going to do bank financing because he's not able to do that. Like, so he already worked out seller financing for me. He worked out a down payment for me like, wow. before I've even heard about the deal. So this guy liked you, like he, he yeah. had your back. He was like, yeah. dude, I'm let's get this kid hooked up. Yeah. So uh, I end up uh, meeting with this gentleman and it's a, it's a 24 unit mobile home park. And like I said, it's a lot nicer. It's like, we've got like paved roads back here and like <laughs> lights and like, oh yeah, you do <laughs> all of the trailers, like have all their windows and stuff. Like I was like, oh, shit. you got cut grass in the house. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and it came with a higher price tag. Um, yeah. and it was, it was half a million bucks, but it's still 10 K down. Yeah. He had worked out for me. And, you know, and then obviously it was financed the rest of it out, but that's like, that's 2% down, dude. Yes. That's that's unheard of. That's crazy. Which I didn't work that out either. And he had worked out the same thing on uh, three months, no payments for me as well. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is like donezo. Now I still didn't have 10 grand (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I've been parking all the money right back into the trailer park, getting them fixed up. Right. Sure. 
So I went out just begging for money. (laughs) And it's funny because I was asking for five grand from people, right? Because I was like, I was too scared to ask for 10 grand for from yeah, somebody. mindset. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, you know, because now I've got private lenders and stuff and I'll just, I'll just call them and be like, Hey, I need, you know, $250,000. And, like, and I, there's no fear there. Yeah. Like now you're giving them I, an opportunity. You've seen the process, right. you know, it works. And it's like, it's a blessing to them if they get the opportunity and it doesn't even necessarily need to be them. They might not have it, but maybe they know somebody else that does. So somebody they know might be able to be blessed from it. Yeah, man. Yeah. But that that five grand that I was asking for from people, that was the most intimidating money I've ever asked. (laughs) I was so in my head about like, oh, my gosh, like these people are going to be like, well, you own that. Why don't you have five grand and all that? Like literally no one gave me any crap at all other than myself. Like the only person who gave me a hard time about it was me. I ended up getting the money from one from a coworker and then the other half from an investor in the area who I had never actually really met. If we had met, it had been like, oh, hey, how's it going? But we'd never really talked. But it was just from an investor who knew me who was like, hey, he's out there killing it. He's, you know, he's working his ass off and getting the thing done. You know, I think he'd be a good investment. So What, what were the terms on that? Oh gosh, so expensive because I was so embarrassed. I gave the best terms possible. So uh, (laughs) because I had my three months no payment from this park as well, I guaranteed repayment within 90 days and it was 1500 bucks, which is a 30% return on your five grand. Let's go. Hit me up if you need something. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 90 days, 30% return. Yeah. Yeah, For for a, a rel- what is now a relatively small investment now that I can see it through the, from the eyes of people who went to me. Yeah. But I was so nervous for it. I was just like, I'm going to make this the best deal ever. Yeah. Um, which is great. I, I like, even though like at the time you didn't know, I think it's still intelligent. I think it's a smart move. You made it a win-win situation. And if the numbers work, the numbers work. So it's like, why not? I, Again, it's the same thing, like I say, about the other loan that I had taken out. Yeah. It was expensive money and it was a great idea. Yeah. It was super smart to do that. But yeah, I paid both of them back within like six weeks or something like that. And then this one was cool because it was already running well. So (laughs) what was the vacancy? I don't think there was any vacancy. Really? Yeah. So 24 parks or what? what 24 pads. Um, which was a mix between uh, park-owned homes and tenant-owned homes. Cool. Yeah, and it was already running well. Just the the guy who sold it to me, he really didn't want to be a landlord anymore. He's yeah. he's since sold off all of his properties except for three, maybe. And now he's just a private money lender for me. That's what he does. He just lends me money and then you know travels. So he's got a pretty good setup. Yeah, good for him. So since then, I mean, what were those terms? Did you have balloon payments that you had to pay by a no, certain? No balloon payment. I still have those same terms with this one. You um, do? <laughs> yeah, I do. Because he actually does not want paid off with that. So he yeah. had paid the park off. So it was free and clear on his end. So he's um, just getting, he's the bank right now, just collecting. Yeah, that. he's the bank. And so for the next 30 years, he gets payments of thirty four twenty eight a month from me. And He's happy as a clam. I think the interest rate was like 7% maybe, which for a contract is not bad. Yeah, yeah. Great. And, and again, it goes back to, could I get it cheaper somewhere else? Yeah, probably. But like, yeah. 
I keep him happy with it because he doesn't, he does not want me to pay it off because we've, yeah. we've had that conversation because yeah. I've talked about refinancing it into some better terms and stuff sure. like that. And he's, he's just not interested in it. And truth be told, he's one of my best private money lenders. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever he wants in regards yeah. to that park. Cause yeah. I still make a good chunk of money off of it each month. And yeah. you know, we're, we're able to pay the bills and make some money at the same time. What, what does that, what does that bring in per month currently? Gross, we bring in about $11,000, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then what type of responsibilities do you have maintenance wise with mobile home parks? If, if somebody's out there that's like looking to get started into mobile home parks, what should they be mindful of? Okay, so it depends on how you do it, right? So if you want the easiest money you're ever going to make, yeah. buy a mobile home park that has all of its tenants owning their own mobile home. Mm. And they're literally just going to rent the land from you for whatever that amount is in your area per month, right? Just the and pad section. Yeah, they're just getting the pad. They will take care of their own maintenance. They will typically take care of their own lawn unless you have large community areas. They will take care of everything and they will send you a check. That is the easiest money. Now we have a mix of it. So we have that set up with some of them and those are great and they're very easy money. And we love those. And we also have park owned homes, which bring in more money because they're not just renting the land from you. They're renting the, the mobile home as well, but they come with more responsibilities. They come with maintenance, you know, they come with tenant issues where it's like, you know, you've got to screen more tenants. There's more turnover stuff like that. So it's, if you want a great job in real estate, that's a great job. (laughs) If you want to truly treat it as an investment, then park owned homes are the way to go. Park owned homes. I like that. Sorry, I misspoke there. Tenant owned homes. Tenant owned homes. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me. What else should somebody know? I mean, location, does that have anything to do with it for somebody getting started? Location as in like your area, like where do you want your park to be at in your area? Yeah, like, I mean, location has something, it's got to have something to do with it. Like for San Diego, where I live, you know, that's just not a possibility, right? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know all the national regulations and all that stuff for it. I know that mobile home parks, you're not going to go build a new one more than likely. You can, but there's a lot of red tape with that. More than likely, you're going to be purchasing one that already exists. Yeah. And yeah, in the Midwest, they're not that hard to find. So, I mean, for me, if if you're wanting one and they have them in your area, the best thing you can do is just go talk to the owner, especially if it's a smaller one. Like if you see a park and it has 300 homes in it, some corporation owns that. So I'm not saying you can't buy it, but that process is going to be entirely different. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're looking to get one from, you know, you see a small, like maybe 30 unit, 15 unit, whatever, and you're interested in it. More than likely, that's owned by a person or a small company like mine, where it's not impossible to go just speak to the owner. So, yeah, that's what you're looking for. I mean, literally just I mean, if you have PropStream, you can look up who the owner is right on PropStream. If not, you can take a more long winded approach to it through like the tax records and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, if you're really looking to acquire one, go talk to them. And I promise you, the crappier it is, the more burnout the person who owns it is. And they probably will be willing to give you some sweet terms. Yeah. 
I mean, if they are, I, I don't know their motivation, but you're probably more likely to find somebody who's a motivated seller if it yeah. looks really run down and it looks like a ton of work. And that's what you want to focus on too. You want to focus on not tire kicker type of things that are happy and all complete, but somebody that's tired of being in that situation, you want to find the motivation, right? That the seller has to get out of it. And if you got the the energy and, and the willpower to, and the perseverance really to push through all that, then, um, then it could be a great, you know, great task to kind of take down. For sure. So talk to me, any horror experiences? You're like, dang, I wish I didn't do that. Let's not do that mistake again. Oh man, I've, I've screwed up so many times. It's ridiculous. I've had some really terrible tenants do some really terrible things, mm-hmm. which again is me screwing up because it's, who gave them the keys? Yeah, leadership uh, <laughs> like that. Not pointing the finger, but realizing like, hey, you know, as yeah. well as these are great tenants, I got them. I also got the ones that were uh, doing crappy stuff over here. Yep. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And if you want to crash course in ownership, buy a mobile home park, because if you start making excuses about stuff, you're not going to make it. Yeah. Like, You've got to really just take ownership of what's going on in those. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've definitely, I've had some horror stories, man. I've had, you know, I've had some more serious ones where people have gone on to like Indiana's registration. You so you if you buy a mobile home park, you have to be a licensed mobile home park operator, wow. which is it's literally there's no test or anything. You send them 200 bucks. It's a, yeah. it's a scheme. Yeah, but, they, make, uh, they make their money on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I've had people uh, screenshot my home address where it was sent and be like, is this where I need to show up to talk to you? Like you know, people who were upset with me for whatever reason. So, I mean, I've definitely, I've dealt with like that type of crazy. I've also dealt with like, you know, just, I mean, it's the Jerry Springer show in those trailer parks, especially when you first buy it. Mine are all a lot better now, but I've owned them all for years. Yeah. But like when I first bought those and they were like, they were letting whoever in there, I mean, you know, there were people who were selling meth out of my trailers. There were people who were just meth users who were like, you know, lot six is sleeping with lot nine's wife and lot 12 wants to tell you all about it because you're supposed to care about that, all that. And like, I mean, it can just be like this ugly, ugly situation, but again, that's, that's why the rewards are there too. Um, But yeah, I mean, like all of that has been, I mean, there's been so many disasters. I had people threaten to fight me. I've had squatters in my trailers. I've thrown one guy out three times because he first got himself evicted and then moved in with somebody else who lived there and then yeah, did yeah. it a second time. So like, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of disasters that will go along with it. It's easy to look at the numbers, especially if you're buying in the Midwest. I mean, they're cheap, dude. They're yeah, cheap yeah. and the cash flows there. Like there's money to be made for sure. But if you just look at the numbers, it's going to look like this amazing thing that's like, why wouldn't I own 20 of these? Well, Go buy one. Maybe you will want to own 20 of them. I don't know. I personally probably don't want to own 20 of them, but they were a great start for me for sure. I like that. How many times have uh, the police come out in the last couple of years? Do you, do you have that? I wouldn't be able to put a number on that. So many. Really? So many. Yeah. Just a, a ridiculous amount of times. We've had SWAT team raids. Uh, no had, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I happened to be there one day at uh, one of my third mobile home park. I happened to be over there one day and I was dropping off materials for my maintenance guys. Yeah. And I saw a car pull up, a cop car pull up. 
And, you know, I'm always curious because I'm like, you getting one of my tenants? Like, what's going on? Dude, that cop car pulls up and he parks. And then right behind him, the, the SWAT team paddy wagons just comes flying in and they park and they get out and they're moving all tactically and like taking cover and all that. And they get up to one of my trailers. They surround it. They kick in the doors, throw flashbangs in and all that. And I'm, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Apparently they had been selling meth out of it for like a while, apparently. It was an inherited tenant. They had always been good. It was the lady that I rented to. She was always super nice, kept her place really clean, didn't bother anyone. And, you know, so I was like, taking meth and she's running around cleaning everything. I thought she was like my best tenant. No, she just didn't want anyone bothering her. She was, yeah, yeah. She was trying to run a business. Yeah, uh, she's a businessman. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy, bro. Yeah. I love it. I'm glad we got to hear about that. <laughs> but um, tell me, what does the future look like for you? Like, what are you looking to accomplish? Because you just mentioned that, yeah, somebody out there might want to get a ton more of these. You got three mobile home parks right now. How many units is that? Between the 16, three, 24, and what else? And the other one is 12. So, oh, oh man. Yeah. So, I don't know, roughly 50. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, as far as what the future looks like, so I also own uh, short and midterm rentals. Yeah. I really like that a lot. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. So, we're doing like traveling nurses and stuff like that, mostly is what we're housing. We don't have like a tourist market out here. So, is traveling professionals. But dude, I really like that. First of all, it's cool because we get to actually do some high-end stuff, which is always fun. But obviously the money's really good with that too. I still own like some regular long-term rentals too, but I don't think unless, I mean, obviously if the best deal in the world shows up in my lap, it's not that I'm not going to buy it, but I'm not actively out there seeking those opportunities right now. Sure. So I think moving forward, I think it's really going to be focusing a lot on getting everything that we have set up perfectly. So like I'm implementing the profit first accounting system. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I'm starting to implement that. And I think just buying midterm rentals, short-term rentals, stuff like that, probably not just here in the Midwest in the future. It's probably here pretty soon in the next year or so. Start really looking into some more touristy markets. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much that, man. I'm very open to what the experience will bring in itself, if that makes sense. I have a pretty good setup as of right now. You know, I'm making a pretty solid living and really just trying to focus more on stuff, obviously, that makes money, but stuff that really like gets me excited, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, follow your heart, follow your passion. Yeah. Bobby, how can people get a hold of you? You can hit me up on Facebook, Bobby Klein. Instagram's probably better, Bobby Klein89. I also have a podcast. You can follow us, Real Estate Disasters Podcast. You can find it on wherever you're watching this. And other than that, you can email me, bobby at kleininvestments.com. Love it. Awesome. You guys heard it here first. Bobby, I appreciate you so much, man. It was great connecting with you more and just really being able to hear your story, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. So you just gave about an hour of your time. Anything that the listeners or myself could do to give back to you? Hmm. You know what? Just if you got any value out of this, do your best to help somebody else. Ooh, that's good, man. That's good. I love it. Yeah. I appreciate where your heart's at, man. That's awesome. Guys, if you want to reach out to me, you can always do so on Instagram. It is Brandon Elliott Investments. 
otherwise facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. And if you are looking for done for you services for credit repair only, then that would be creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you really want to be educated on how the banks and lenders are judging you, learning how to fix credit faster than anyone in the industry, a couple hours up to 10 days, and then simply getting as much funding from the banks, just like Bobby here and, and myself being able to take money from the banks, get it at 0% interest though, be smarter than both of us combined and be able to put it to work, get several six figures, even seven figures in funding on business side of credit and personal, and then just be able to put it to work, leverage it, purchase properties like we have with credit, you know, e-com stores, grow your businesses and really be able to scale. So if you're looking for any information on that, you can check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com and would be happy to serve you there. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification every single Monday for this podcast for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing. I love you guys all so much. We'll see you on the next one. Till next time, guys. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.